What's up, homies? Welcome back to the Homies Real Estate Podcast. This is our third podcast. I'm excited to bring this to you. And today, we're going to be diving into, it's a question I get all the time. How do I make my offer more appealing? How do I make my offer stand out? And how can I get my offer accepted? I get this all the time. And I know right now we're in a seller's market. It's really, really tough to get your offer accepted, but there are some ways to make it stand out. And I'm gonna run them by you today. But before I do so, what I wanna do is I wanna recap what the Homies Real Estate Podcast is gonna be about. It's a collection of stories, advice, tip, trends, analytics, and more related to the real estate market. In the future, we're going to bring on guests and experts to enlighten us <laughs> or maybe tell us some of their craziest real estate stories. And when I say crazy, I mean absolutely stunning. Like I've never heard anything like it. So I'm excited to bring those stories to you. This podcast is also going to align with our core values at the Love on Those group, which is to educate, to entertain, and to give back. And hopefully, we can shed some light on the real estate market and make purchasing and selling a home just a little bit more homey. So why do we call it the Homies Real Estate Podcast? Well, it's because there's a lot of homies out there that are all about making their house warm, welcoming, and comfortable. And there are a lot of homies that don't actually own their own home yet but they would love to, but just don't know how to. So this podcast is here to comfort them and to make them more knowledgeable about purchasing or selling their home. So I'm gonna be referring to our audience as homies moving forward. So let's go ahead and let's dive right into podcast number three. How do I make my offer more appealing to sellers. So let's put ourselves in the seller's position. What would you be looking for if you're selling a home? For most sellers, they're looking for the greatest net return. So they're looking for the highest offer that they can possibly get that's going to net them the most, right? So if someone writes an offer for 550, but someone writes an offer for 555, but is asking for 10K in closing costs, they're netting 545 in the second scenario. So it makes more sense to go with the first offer of 550. So that's what I mean by the greatest net return. Number two is who is gonna provide me the smoothest, quickest, and easiest escrow? Because the last thing you would want is to accept the highest offer, but they're gonna put you in a world of pain once you're in escrow, ask for a whole bunch of repairs, and just extend escrow or cancel escrow altogether, which is gonna be a tremendous waste of time. So those are the two things that most sellers are gonna be looking for. So with that being said, the first thing that you wanna do is make sure you write a strong offer, the strongest offer that you can possibly write and try to avoid closing costs because that's gonna affect what the net return will be. But again, you want to stay within your budget. I can't emphasize this enough. I don't want you to move into a home and then you're not going to be comfortable just because the payments are too much. 
that defeats the purpose, especially of this podcast. It's called the Homies Real Estate Podcast, where we're comfortable, not the unhomie real estate podcast where we're struggling to make the payment every single month. So again, stay within your budget, but write the strongest offer that you can possibly write. Number two is you want to submit an offer with a high EMD, earnest money deposit. This is the initial deposit that you're going to use to say, hey, look, I'm serious in this escrow. If for some reason we fought through this escrow doesn't work out for us and we remove our contingencies this money is yours and it's typically about one to three percent but if you go with three percent that's gonna make your offer very strong a lot of buyers are typically putting around two percent sometimes less so for a five hundred thousand dollar home that's about fifteen thousand dollars what i'm suggesting but a lot of buyers are putting about $10,000, so about 2%. So that's going to make your offer stronger to the sellers. They're going to know, hey, he's a serious buyer. He's willing to lose more if this home falls out of escrow. Number three is you want to lower your contingencies, right? So there's three contingencies that you should be aware of. Number one is the inspection contingency. It's typically 17 days. You have 17 days to inspect the property and make sure it's in the condition you're looking for. And you can ask for repairs and if it's if it's not in the condition you're looking for you can back out and you can get your earnest money deposit back right that three percent that i was suggesting number two the second uh, the second contingency is going to be the appraisal contingency so if you write an offer right and you guys agree upon a certain price let's just call it five hundred thousand dollars in this instance however you send out the appraiser and he says that the property's value is actually $490,000. Now, the bank that is financing your loan is going to take the appraiser's word, not your word, for the value of the home. So that $10,000 gap from four dollars to $500,000, you as the buyer are going to have to pay out of pocket or you are going to have to go to the sellers and ask them to lower the price or meet somewhere in the middle or else it's going to fall out of escrow right and as long as you do that within your contingency period which is 17 days typically for for appraisal you should be fine the last one is going to be the loan contingency this one is typically 21 days right loan contingency basically means if for some reason within my 21 days if i don't get loan approval something happens let's say i lose my job and i can't make payments moving forward then i get to get my earnest money deposit back right but if 21 days have surpassed and the loan contingency is removed, then you will lose your earnest money deposit. I always recommend to try to keep that loan contingency in place for as long as possible until you at the very least get word from your lender that you have loan approval and that there shouldn't be any hiccups moving forward. So if you can lower these contingencies, it's going to make your offer stronger. Personally, I would recommend to keep the loan contingency there at 21 days, but for the inspection and for the appraisal contingency, as long as your lender is on board, I would try to lower these because this is something that we have a little bit more direct control over. The next thing would be to remove the appraisal contingency. This is going to help you out tremendously. 
So right now, a lot of homes are going well over asking price and sellers are worried because of the appraisal contingency, right? Hey, if I accept a home that's $50,000 more than what I think it's worth, more than what I listed, is the bank going to uh, appraise for that value, right? And it might not appraise for that $550,000 value, right? The $50,000 over. So if the buyer is willing to remove the appraisal contingency, they don't need to worry about that. So right now, you're gonna see this often. They're gonna ask for buyers to remove the appraisal contingency. So it's something that you should maybe think about. But again, you're gonna need the cash on hand in the case that it doesn't appraise because again, you're gonna have to pay out of pocket. So what I would personally recommend is rather than removing the appraisal contingency altogether, this is what I typically do in our, in our offers that we write, is I put a maximum that the buyer is willing to pay out of pocket in case of a short appraisal. So the verbiage that I like to use is buyer willing to pay X amount short of an appraisal not to exceed purchase price. So that that kind of uh, reduces the liability in the case that the appraisal is like $50,000 short and that's way too much that I would expect the buyer to pay out of pocket, right? So that's why I would limit that amount to let's just, let's just call it five, 10, maybe $15,000. The next thing that might be a good idea is to remove the termite clearance. So it's tradition, it's very standard for a lot of, or a lot of buyers, I should say, to ask for termite clearance, right? Termite clearance basically meaning that the property should be free and clear of termites once I move in. Termite clearance isn't all that expensive in most cases, but it could be a couple thousand dollars. However, if, you know, a couple hundred to a couple thousand dollars, if you're willing to take that liability off the sellers and worry about it on your own as a buyer, it's going to help you stand out, right? Because think about it, as we mentioned earlier, the two most important things that sellers are looking for are the highest net return, which they don't have to pay for that termite clearance fee, and the smoothest escrow that will take the, the shortest amount of time. So if they if that removes an additional effort and reduces time, it's gonna be incentivizing for the sellers if you remove that termite clearance. The last thing that I would suggest is to offer a free rent back. I know that offering a free rent back is gonna be additional money that you're gonna have to pay as a buyer, right? Because once escrow closes, you are already tied to that mortgage and you're gonna be making payments on it. But if you offer a free rent back, maybe limit it to 10, 15, or maybe a month, that's gonna help incentivize the sellers because that's a greater net return that they're earning. And it just makes it a little bit easier knowing that they don't really have to worry about making months or daily payments or per diem payment on a rent back. So these are ways that you can make your offer more appealing and get it accepted. Now, I'm gonna give you two of my biggest secrets, and I really want you to listen to this, buyers. Number one, look for homes when no one is looking for homes. I'm gonna say that one more time. Look for homes when no one is looking for homes. When is no one looking for homes? 
early weekdays, typically people aren't really looking for homes. If you write an offer on a weekday and put a timeline, hey, you need to respond to this offer within two days, then that's gonna put a little bit of pressure on the sellers to be like, hey, look, we have a pretty good offer already. Should we wait until the weekend or should we answer this offer now? Number two is look at homes on holiday weekends. Trust me, this helps out tremendously. If you look for homes, let's just say July 4th weekend, Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend, a lot of buyers are at home with their families or celebrating and not looking for homes. So there's less competition. I was actually able to put a home this year on a holiday weekend for under asking price. That's almost unheard of for a, for a homes right now, especially if they're priced right. So it's a good idea to look for homes on holidays or like for instance, right now in the winter with Christmas, New Year's around the corner. Might be a good idea where there's gonna be less competition and you're gonna be able to get a counter and maybe get a better deal on a home. The next thing, the next secret is to look for homes that no one else is looking at. So I'm gonna say that one more time. Look for homes that no one else is looking at. So when I say look for homes that no one else is looking at, I'm referring to homes that have been on the market for quite some time. So when you scroll at homes, you'll see two things. DOM stands for days on market and CDOM, cumulative days on market. Days on market means from the day it was listed, how many days has it been on the market? Cumulative days on market means how many days in total has the house been on the market? So let's just say it was on the market with one realtor and he never sold it. And then it was taken off the market and then it was put on the market by another realtor, you know, 50 days later, that's going to add to the CDOM because it's been on the market for that many consecutive days without a 90 day break in between. If there's a 90 day break in between, it will reset the CDOM. So if you look at the DOM, days on market and CDOM, and you see high numbers, 30 plus days, chances are there isn't many buyers that are really looking at, at these homes, right? These aren't hot homes anymore. The sellers kind of lost their leverage. So these are homes that might be a good idea to take a look at and make offers for. And of course, you can make offers for these homes under asking price because at this point, it's been on the market for quite some time. These sellers might be a little bit more desperate and might be willing to accept an offer under asking price. So look at those homes that have been on the market. See whether those repairs that you can see from the pictures or when you visit it in person are worth taking on and then make an offer. And you might be able to get a pretty good deal. And then as soon as you move in, you adjust the home where you want it to be and you still save money rather than having to bid higher for a home or maybe even enter a bidding war. So these are two secrets. Again, it's look for homes when no one is looking for homes and look for homes that no one is looking for. So I hope this podcast helps clarify what you can do to make your offer more appealing and get your offer accepted. 
If you have any questions, just let us know. I'm excited to bring this podcast to you. Podcast number three for the Homies Real Estate Podcast. I want to wish you all the best. Have a happy holidays. I'll check in with you next week. Take care. Hey, homies, it's Anthony. This podcast contains my opinions and is for educational purposes only. It does not guarantee any projections and should not serve as a basis for any purchase or sale in real estate.